is the Business of Reselling podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Oman. Uh, podcast. What am I doing? Oh, I'm Jessica Oman, your host. And I have a big episode today. It's all about promotions. I, I do touch on promotions and marketing a lot in the podcast. And you you can go back and listen to previous episodes to kind of get, um, I guess, a more holistic perspective on marketing. But I want to focus on, um, on promotion today. Uh, in the context of something in business called the four P's of marketing. So I'm um, going into my business brain and pulling out some stuff from the archives. I have some resources uh, for you. Um, and anyway, the the inspiration for this episode came from a couple of different um, places, a couple of things that happened almost at the same time. I talked last episode, so just two weeks ago, about how painfully slow sales were. And I'm not somebody who likes to get into the pity party conversation too much. Sales always wax and wane. That's a normal thing. But uh, I was feeling a little bit um, concerned uh, about the short-term dip in sales. It was significant. Um, Anyway, go back and listen to the previous episode if you want to hear about what I thought was happening. But what I did over the last two weeks is um, I just threw everything in the book in terms of promotion at the store. uh, And and now we're enjoying an incredible uptick in sales, which is kind of what this episode is going to be about. So I threw uh, everything at it. I increased my promoted listing percentage on eBay, running sales, doing uh, offers to watchers, which I always do, but really uh, pushing that hard, um, using eBay buyer groups, offering special coupons. Anyway, I'm going to get into all of those promotional things in this episode. So that was one thing that happened that I did, and it was effective, so I want to share about it. And we actually had a 64-package shipping session, which was really amazing. Um, That was actually four days from Friday until Tuesday morning. Normally we ship on Monday, but uh, because of the Canada Day long weekend, the post office was closed on that Monday. So it was one extra day um, and we had 64 packages going out, which is really good for us. Uh, that's that's a lot. Um, and I was proud of it. And I, <laughs> I went in the uh, Boss uh, Reseller Group, which I will put a link to actually in the show notes in case you want to join it. It's one of the most fantastic reselling communities that I'm a part of. Um, anyway, I posted a photo of all the packages with the salty caption, eBay is dead. Um, okay, most people got the sarcasm in the post, but not everybody. Um, But it prompted a lot of questions from people who wanted to know, what do I sell? How do I do it? Um, And I got the following question that I wanted to sort of focus this whole episode around. And it was, um, they said, I'm confident that buying and flipping good in-demand stuff is the number one reason you're selling well. But I'm also wondering if and how you promote type of ad campaigns and about how many current listings you have and how many you list on average per week, if you don't mind answering. So that was a great question. And I pointed a lot of people in that post towards the podcast. So hopefully you are listening and um, you'll get some good context on what I've been doing to uh, really increase my sales. So to answer the easy parts of this question first, um, right now we are sitting just under 6,800 listings on eBay about 420 on Poshmark. Poshmark is not a good 
platform for us at all. It's just kind of my like little side project. Um, and we list anywhere from a few dozen items to a few hundred items per week. It's actually a huge variation. I wouldn't even be able to tell you what the average is. Um, we do try to list at least a few new things every day. So it's a it's a rare day that nothing goes up. Like five listings is probably almost the minimum that we would ever post. But if we have big projects going and I have my listers uh, working on them, we could be posting hundreds of items in a week. Um, so, you know, it'll go from a few dozen to several hundred. Um, but it's that uh, consistent listing, even if it's just a couple of items, that consistency matters a lot in terms of the algorithm. Uh, so let me just talk about that quickly, and then I will launch into the four P's of marketing. So let's talk about what that number one thing is. This this commenter was right. The number one reason we're selling well is because we're buying and flipping good in-demand stuff, 100%. Um, success in selling is First and foremost about selling things people want that are in demand. The second thing is consistently listing, triggering the algorithm, making your store interesting, making it a place that buyers want to come back to. And the third is promotion and marketing. So before you listen to the rest of this episode, remember that if you are not sourcing in demand items and listing consistently, it is not time to dive deep into marketing and promotional tactics or strategies. You need to set up your systems at the front end first. You have to have the good items in order to promote them effectively. All of the marketing in the world will get disappointing results if your inventory is not good quality and you are not bringing in new product regularly. It is important to do things in the right order. Don't waste your money on promotions if you don't have good stuff. So sourcing strategies first, promotional strategies second. So this episode operates on the assumption that you are sourcing good product and listing consistently. Um, so let's get into some little marketing speak from the business world. All right. I want to talk about the four P's of marketing. The four P's of marketing are also called the marketing mix. Um, and I have a couple of really good resources in the show notes that dive into these in even more detail because I'm going to be spending most of today's episode on promotion, which is the fourth P, but there are three others. It goes like this, product, price, place, promotion. The product is what you are selling. And I just mentioned that what you are selling matters the most, not just what the product is, but its unique features and benefits. So whatever you sell, and if you're a vintage reseller, or one of a kind reseller like me, um, this can be a challenging um, thought process, honestly. Um, but think about what the products you sell mean to the customer. Are you going for nostalgia, utility? Is it comfort? A lot of us who sell vintage uh, and one-of-a-kind items are kind of in that comfort nostalgia place where we're selling to a lot of people who are like putting together the childhood collections that they lost or purchasing things for their kids that they enjoyed when they were young that they think their kids might now enjoy. Um, that's really common. And that's that's actually a benefit of the product that you're selling. So it's more than just the item itself. It's what that what feeling that brings to the person who buys it. It also includes your store policies, shipping policies, return policies, um, and that factors into the definition of the product. So the buyer is looking at your product, but they're also looking at your brand, your feedback, maybe your reputation, whether they feel comfortable purchasing from you. That's all of the things that goes into product. So what uh, what is the problem you're solving for your customer or what benefit is the buyer getting from the products that you sell? Think about that and try to convey it in your store policies, your listing descriptions, your photos, et cetera. 
Next is price. Price should not always be about a race to the bottom. I've said this before and I will say it forever. Do not be the lowest price person. Price for added value. Now, the BDC article on the four P's of marketing that I've included in the show notes goes over a few pricing strategies that you might use in your reselling. And you'll probably adjust your pricing strategy a lot depending on what you happen to be selling. We do. We change it a lot. Now, I will just talk about a couple of those pricing strategies briefly. One is called cost plus. This is also mentioned in the BDC article. Cost plus is where you um, mark up your product to a certain price based on what you paid for it and the profit margin that you expect to get. So we're always trying to average five to one. So if I buy an item for $10, I want to sell it for at least 50, five to one or better. Um, And so if we buy something that's a little bit more expensive, spend $100 or $200 on something, we'll use the cost plus pricing strategy to mark that item up to a place where we're comfortable with the margins we're going to get. Of course, we have to evaluate what it's worth in the market, and those things have to align. Um, But cost plus is a great way to make sure you always make your margins. And for us, this works better for high-end expensive items that we spent a little bit more money on. So again, do not race to the bottom with pricing. Many things factor into a buyer's purchasing decision, whether they trust you, whether they think your policies are fair, whether your pictures and your description are clearer than the other available options. What a lot of resellers do is price high and reduce the price over time. This, according to BDC, which I don't think I actually defined, is called Business Development Bank of Canada. They're a great uh, government-funded business organization that helps small business owners all over the country. Anyway, uh, they describe this strategy as price skimming. So we're pricing high and reducing over time. Very, very common for resellers. We use this pricing strategy a lot especially with items where there are not a lot of sold comps and it's difficult to determine the market value. Um, Sometimes we like to price high uh, just to make sure that we're not undervaluing something. And then if it doesn't sell, you can always run it, run a sale and that kind of thing. Um, So, but that also has risks as many search algorithms on eBay and other platforms will kind of suppress a listing's visibility if there are no purchases on that listing over time. Um, so that's where strategies like ending and sell similar come into play. And I'm not going to talk about those today, but there are ways of refreshing your listings, uh, that theoretically would trigger the algorithms in various selling platforms to see your listing as a new listing and make it more visible to buyers. Anyway, that's for another day. Our pricing strategy is typical to, um, uh, to go with basically what our competitors are selling an item for. So we're looking at sold comps. We're trying to find a range of what an item has sold for. And then we'll price in the middle to the high end of that range. And then if we need to reduce that price over time, we will. So that's price. Then there's place. And place is very simple. It's just the platform you use. It's eBay. It's Poshmark. It's Facebook Marketplace. It's Etsy. It's wherever you're putting your products and making them available for sale. So eBay is still the number one reselling marketplace with the most buyers, but niche products may do well on smaller platforms where buyers want to browse a specific category of items. Maybe that's Pokemon cards or magic cards, Lego. Um, There's specific websites dedicated to that where sellers can do quite well. 
we tried niching down with Discogs when it came to our vinyl records, but we found that they just didn't have the buyer base to support a lot of sales there for us. And we still did better on eBay for vinyl records, but maybe we just didn't have the formula figured out. I don't know. Now you can experiment with place using cross-listing programs like Prime Lister or List Perfectly. Um, and then you can take the same items and post them on multiple platforms to start to get a sense of what is selling better on which platform. Um, so that's a really good way to start strategizing about place in marketing. Um, but don't overthink this. If you sell one of a kind items or a wide variety of items, eBay will probably still be your go-to because it's got the broadest range of items and that's a good fit with one of a kind sellers as well as with buyers who are looking for unique, interesting items. Okay, so that's product price place. Now promotion. So this is where I'm going to get to the long answer to this commenter's question about what kinds of promotional campaigns we use um, and how they work for us. So I'll go over briefly um, this will be more specific to eBay because it is our number one platform. Um, I will go over briefly the different types of promoted campaigns that you can use on eBay, but I have not found any of them other than promoted listing standard to be effective for us at all. So that's where I will focus most of today's discussion. So promotion, just to define it in the context of the four Ps, is the type of advertising and marketing you do. So that can be everything from social media content to brochures, to newsletters, and more. Um, this is also where you are advertising. So that's where eBay's promotional tools come in, helping you find ways to place your products more visibly, but more importantly, in front of the right buyers. So eBay has a few different types of promoted listings. They have standard, advanced, express, and display. Um, standard has given us the best results. Uh, so I'll go over that and how it works for us in a second. Advanced is a pay-per-click model that's borrowed from Google and Amazon. Um, and I experimented with it. I spent a couple hundred dollars and made like a $40 sale on it. I worked with eBay's um, advertising experts or coaches or whatever they call them to try and develop a better campaign. It did not work. Um, I don't think that the pay-per-click model is good for um, one-of-a-kind sellers. I think it's best for sellers who sell the exact same items as many other people, have lots of competition, as well as replenishable inventory. That is because... Um, with advanced, you'll have the ability to track the results over time and tweak your campaign for that, that exact same item. Whereas like, I can't say that like a pay-per-click campaign for, you know, a German stoneware vase is gonna work the same as a pay-per-click for uh, model kits. Like they're just different products. So that was a fail. I don't recommend advanced for uh, vintage one-of-a-kind resellers. Um, I've not tried Express, don't know anything about it, not gonna touch that. Promoted display, <laughs> I did, uh, I, I'm in the middle of an experiment with promoted display ads and I'm gonna do a video on it in a couple of weeks when my experiment is over. It's also an absolute fail. Um, promoted display is supposed to put your uh, listings, make them visible in a specific place within eBay and I don't know, it, it, it doesn't work, hasn't resulted in any sales. That'll be coming up in a future video. So let's get to standard. So st promoted listing standard is what 
I love to do. Um, I typically promote my items at two to two and a half percent. I do not pay any attention to eBay's suggested ad rates. I don't care. I want to do what works for me and figure it out for myself over time. Um, I do not promote my new listings. I add promoted to my campaigns after a listing has been stale for at least 30 days or maybe longer, just depending on how well the items in that category are selling. So for example, our Barbie dolls, I think I just added them to promoted listings after three and a half months of selling them. Um, they were selling so well, I didn't need to promote them. I didn't feel I needed to uh, incorporate a marketing budget for them, especially not with the Barbie movie coming out in a few days. Um, so I just added them to get a little bit more visibility because the inventory is starting to dwindle a bit and I'd like to get them out the door. So that's how I approach promoted campaigns. Now I had the two to two and a half percent campaign going on a variety of categories. Like I would say most of my listings um, for a long time. And a couple weeks ago when sales were a big struggle, I decided to uh, change the pricing strategy I was using for promoted listings and increased it to 5%. Um, so if you go into uh, your promotions tab, or sorry, in your marketing tab in eBay Seller Hub and click on advertising dashboard, you'll find your promoted listing standard um, results there. And you can take a look at whether your campaigns are working, um, what the click-through rate is, uh, how many impressions you're getting, and a whole bunch more stats. So I decided to see what would happen if I increased that two to two and a half percent to a dynamic pricing strategy of up to five percent. So this is where eBay will eBay does determine the promoted listings percentage, but it will not charge you more than five percent. So there's a cap. So I did that, and it has not been a full month. It's only been a couple of weeks since I launched this new campaign at the higher ad rate. And so far, sales versus the 31 days prior, up 219.16%. Clicks up 172.2%. Sold items via promoted up 198.39%. Um, Sales conversion rate, almost 0.7. That's a little bit better than my organic conversion rate. Impressions, 22 million impressions. Um, so up, 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 up. Ad fees up 596%. Yeah, of course, that's to be expected. Um, so, but I'm fine with it because it has increased our sales significantly. Is it going to continue to work over time? I have no idea. This 200% um, sales bump is going to decline because the longer I run this campaign, the more realistic the numbers are going to look. But right now, it is working super well. And I'm very, very pleased with how fast things are moving out of the shop. We have 6,800 listings. We need to move product. We can't make our warehouse any bigger. Uh, so I'm willing to take a small hit on my profit margins in order to get more product out the door. So that's how I approach promoted. Um, and so if you're selling on eBay, I recommend that you, I do recommend that you try it. I, I think it works really well, honestly, but it's not just something you can just, oh, pick a number out of, hat and just 
forget about it. It's not a set it and forget it thing. It's something that you need to be looking at at least once a quarter to see um, how the campaigns are performing for you. Change the listings that you have within the campaign, change the percentage and play around with things all the time. And something that is working for you today might not work three months from now. And that's why you always have to keep looking at it. Buyer behavior changes, seasons change, the number of items you have changes, the types of items you're selling changes. All of those things change, and so your promotions have to change too. In addition to promoted listings, I also utilize eBay store newsletters and buyer groups to target repeat buyers as well as followers. I just did a video last week recommending strongly that sellers ask buyers to save or follow you on eBay and then you have a better chance that these tools will be effective. The more followers you can reach out to, the more likely it is that you're going to be able to drive a purchase from them. I also keep an email list of previous buyers and or just people who are interested in our business. That's about 3,700 people. I host that on MailChimp. Um, and I try to post regularly as well on social media, but I do need to be better at this. I'm not consistent at all. Um, and my lack of consistency means that I can't assess whether my social media posting actually drives any sales. <laughs> so I need to develop a campaign, implement it, stick with it, and then evaluate the results so I can pass that info on to you and let you know how it's working. Um, but those are sort of the tools outside of just the eBay uh, promoted listing standard that we use. And to that end, while I definitely recommend that you use the tools that eBay provides, it's also important to think beyond those. How else can you reach your buyers? So the email list that I developed via MailChimp, this is, um, you can use uh, 3D sellers or Zapier, there's a few ways that you can reach out to buyers and ask them to join your email list. You can't do this from within eBay messages, it's a policy violation. But if you can get their email address, you can message them one time outside of eBay after the sale and say, hey, if you're interested, join the list. That's it, you can only send the one email. After that, they have to sign up on their own. That's them giving express consent to be on your list. And then you can market to them outside of eBay. And all I do with that is drive that them right back to eBay to make more purchases. But it gives me more control over who I'm emailing and um, better, uh, better dialogue with my buyers. So email lists, package inserts, right? Putting a little thank you card into your package that says, don't forget to save me as a seller, or here's a coupon for your next purchase from my store with a QR code that brings them to your store. Social media, uh, Facebook advertising can be really effective, but it can also be a massive waste of money and haven't done an episode on Facebook advertising, but maybe I should, if you're interested, I can. Um, now let's just think big picture when it comes to promotions. Consider that Spending a percentage of your revenue on marketing is worth it. And most small businesses do not spend nearly enough on marketing. According to BDC, B2C companies, that's business to consumer, that's you selling to a consumer, B2C companies are recommended to spend between five to 10% of revenue on marketing. So if you are selling $100,000 in product per year, five to $10,000 is the recommended amount to spend on marketing. Very few companies spend this. We don't, not even close, to be honest. Uh, 
And why? Because it's so difficult to calculate the actual return on that spending. So while eBay's promoted listing standard can show me like, oh, you made this many sales from your campaign, that's useful information. It tells me a little bit about whether the promotion is working, but it doesn't really give me enough granular detail to know like, you know, well, which items were featured most prominently, you know, and you have to take this piecemeal information from a bunch of different places on eBay and put it all together to try and draw some kind of conclusion from the data. It's not very well presented. And I think that's one of the things that turns people off of using those promoted listings is like, it's really kind of hard to tell exactly whether it's working. So with any kind of promotion, whether that's inside eBay's marketing tools or things you do outside of the platform in your own business, you've got to think about how you're going to measure those returns. So let me give you an example. So let's say you include a little insert in each one of your packages offering 20% off a buyer's next purchase. And it has a QR code on it. And that's a unique QR code that you're not using anywhere else. Then you can track how many people scan that QR code and actually used that coupon. As long as the coupon code is unique and not used anywhere else, then you know if it was used, it had to have come from that package insert. Then you can compare that to how many inserts you sent out and what you paid to print those inserts to put in the packages. Then you're gonna get an idea of what your return on investment is. So how many sales did those package inserts actually drive? So if I spend $100 on my package inserts and it drove $200 in sales, that's not great. But if it drove $2,000 in sales, it was probably worth it and it would be worth doing again. So that's an easy um, thing that you can measure, but it's not always that easy. And I have an example of that as well. So if you've listened to a few episodes of the podcast, then you know about the 2000 miniature souvenir license plates that we bought at a yard sale for $50 and we're selling for $10 each. I did a Facebook ad on my page promoting this the license plates to men over age 40 in British Columbia because most of them were British Columbia plates. And because the plates are from the 1980s, I wanted to appeal to people who were a little bit older who would remember that style of license plate as well. The names are a bit outdated they're from the 80s so i want to appeal to people who are more likely to have those names so that's how i targeted the campaign i'm not spending a lot on it uh 30 bucks every two weeks it's costing me four cents per engagement according to facebook so that an engagement is like somebody clicking on the link or commenting or somehow engaging with the ad that's pretty cheap does it work well i don't know because I have no way of tracking whether somebody clicked on that ad and actually made a purchase from eBay. I can't do that. Those things don't integrate. The only thing I can say is that when I'm running the ad, I sell more plates than when I'm not running the ad. And so I can assume that it's working and I'm going to keep spending that money because it's cheap, but I don't know how well it's working. And I wouldn't take that kind of risk on a more expensive 
item or something that I had fewer of or something where my margins were smaller because I wouldn't have enough information to determine like, yeah, this is an effective campaign or not. So I hope that makes sense. Um, marketing is this weird nebulous thing and it's really difficult to, to measure. And I think that's one of the biggest reasons why sellers don't like to spend a lot of money on promotion because it's so hard to track those results. But going back to uh, promoted listing standard for just a second, um, let's if I think about the big picture of what my marketing spending is doing for me, I can determine whether it's worth it to continue with a more expensive campaign um, that I'm currently using versus going back to my two and a half percent. So if I let's say I went from like I said, I went from two and a half percent to five just for simple math, like I increased my marketing spending. Um, and, and, and that's reducing my net profit by two and a half percent because I'm, I've increased the percentage that I'm willing to pay. And again, it's that's not accurate because not every listing will sell and promote it. But anyway, just for simplicity, let's say that I'm now reducing my net profit by two and a half percent because I've incorporated that into my marketing budget. So roughly last year, we sold $400,000 in merchandise with a $100,000 profit. That's 25%. If I evaluate this campaign at the end of the year, and by the way, it's important to uh, keep your campaigns going long enough to be able to evaluate the results. Let's say that this allows me to sell $500,000 worth of product as opposed to last year's 400,000. And honestly, like with how well this campaign is going, I, I believe that that's possible. So that's how I'm going to evaluate it my uh, profit margin will be a little bit smaller. It won't be 25% anymore. It, it'll be 22.5%. But if I sold $500,000 worth of product, I end up with $112,500 in net profit versus my $100,000 last year. So I'm going to take that all day long, the extra $12,500 in profit. Now, if it turns out that my sales don't increase over the longer term by enough to justify increasing that marketing budget, then maybe I'm going to bring it back down. Um, again, I'm never going to have perfect information to know exactly if this was the trigger. Um, but I can say with a lot of confidence that it is working right now. And um, I hope you know, if it continues to work over the long term, then I'm definitely going to keep it. Um, so that's kind of how I want you to think about promotion. Um, again, you've got to have a good product and you have to be listening consistently first before you should even touch promotion, honestly. Um, but if you've got those, uh, you know, that foundation going, then it's worthwhile to start experimenting with marketing, but really keep track of your spending um, measure the results as accurately as you can, but also be comfortable with the fact that you will never have perfect information about how well those marketing campaigns work. And eventually you will just have to look more holistically at your finances and ask yourself if your increase in marketing led to a significant increase in sales and how that impacted your net profit. So if your net profit is increasing as you're spending more money on marketing, it's worth it to spend more money on marketing. That's the bottom line. It's a scary thing. I get it. Um, but it is definitely worth starting small and then building your way back up. Uh, so that's 
what I wanted to do today. Okay, lots of business speak. I know, I know, I know. Lots of MBA stuff going on here, kind of annoying. But there are lots of resources in the show notes if you want to read into this a little bit more. And please ask me your questions about promotion. I guarantee there's stuff that I missed. Um, guarantee there's something I maybe didn't explain quite clearly. Um, and I love your questions. I think it helps all of us when you ask them. So leave those comments, ask those questions, and I will definitely take the time to give you some good answers. Um, call to action this week is what marketing efforts have you used and have you measured them to assess how well they're working? That's the key here. So it's not just about, oh yeah, I tried it and I don't really know if it worked. If you found something and you think you figured out how to measure whether or not it worked, share that. Um, that's gonna be really useful for other sellers who are checking out these episodes. I'm gonna continue a little bit with the marketing and promotions uh, theme into next episode. And it's one that I've had on my list to do for a while. Uh, so next episode is going to be about, should you pay for branding? So um, a lot of us are just using eBay as a platform. We often get buyers who think we are eBay or think we are Amazon. Um, and so my episode is going to be about distinguishing yourself from the platform you sell on, whether it's not whether it's worth it to pay for branding um, and how much you should spend. So get ready for that one. I hope you find it interesting. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast anywhere you get your podcasts at businessofreselling.com and like and subscribe on YouTube, youtube.com slash at storage warrior podcast. We will see you next episode.